Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. This episode of the CMO Podcast is part of our Leadership During Crisis series. For these short episodes, I am inviting back previous guests to see how they are leading during the pandemic, how they are addressing new challenges, and how they are providing for their consumers, their employees, and the public during these unprecedented times. My guest today on Leadership During Crisis is the Chief Marketing Officer of Petco, a $5 billion pet services and pet products company. His name is Tarek Hassan. And oh my, has this man and this business been disrupted by the pandemic? We're going to get into all the disruptions and how Tarek is beautifully and sensitively and compassionately managing this change for his family, his team, his community. This is my interview with Tarek Hassan. Tarek, welcome back to the CMO Podcast. So good to see you again. I have to say, last time I interviewed you was in February in Dallas at Deloitte's Next Gen CMO program. And here are some of the highlights that you shared with me. You love baseball. <laughs> so you may be a little bit happier now. You had just brought in a new puppy, Milo. You love travel. Mm. You were expanding high-touch services at Petco. You had your fifth consecutive quarter of top-line growth, and you rated your omnichannel services a 6 out of 10, and that, I'm sure, has been tested over the last five months. So with all of that, I would like you to give me and our listeners a headline for Tarek for the last five months. A headline about your life. I think a headline about my life would, would sort of fall into a couple of simple buckets. Um, focus on what matters, the people, family, and then the business follows. Um, acceleration like everyone else. So if we were a, a, a six when you and I spoke, we have had to and thankfully have had the capability and the collaboration to accelerate that. We can talk more about that. Um, so the critical nature of Omni. At the beginning of it, I would tell you essential is not always obviously essential. And we can talk about that meant for our business. Um, and now I would say um, it's, you know, it's more how do you know, moving from uh, sprint to marathon? Because I think as we moved initially to just weeks after you and I last spoke into what this environment was going to be, now it's about how do you sustain? And that has a lot of dimensions to it that, yes, have to do with the business. But again, it goes back to that first one, which is, you know, refocusing on people. And, and the importance of that during this. Well, let's talk a bit about you first and then about your business and how, how that is, has changed abruptly. You have a working spouse. You have a 12-year-old daughter. You have a new puppy. So tell us about how you've changed, how you work, and how you lead. You're, you know, you're based in New York as a home. Your office is in San Diego. So you, of all leaders, have had a pretty big disruption to how you run your life. Yeah, and at the same time, Jim, I tell you, the disruption has actually turned out to, you know, there's been an upside to the disruption because I've been East Coast-based for the most part, which means I've had the ability to be home, which has been a blessing uh, through this process. Um, 
But as this first started, I think there were lots of question marks about what would this look like and for how long. Um, on a personal front, when it first started, uh, my better half actually became ill. And so we had to work through what does that look like? I was actually West Coast at the time. Uh, thankfully, the severity level was on the much less severe. And so we orchestrated my staying on the West Coast a little bit to sort of create some space so we could figure this out. But then it was get home and, and make sure everyone was looked after. But that's been sort of an upside consequence of this has been I've been able to be uh, East Coast as we work uh, virtually and, and be around family and watch my 12 year old go to, you know, become a 13 year old and manage through the challenges that come with that of, you know, losing summer camps um, and watching some of the really interesting things for that generation in terms of what this implication will be. I'm watching a, a kid who's an avid dancer try and navigate what does that mean? Certain things just don't translate quite as well virtual um, as we set up the family room into a dance studio for her to try and continue her, her pursuit. Good, not great, right? Um, and so really, uh, like I said at the beginning of this, focusing on things that matter, uh, people, family, and, and certainly that's been a big part also of where we've spent our time in terms of work, both in my direct team, but also we spend lots of time talking about the 20,000 partners we have in stores every day and, and what's important around those things. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that a bit. You know, when you, when you, we were together last, you talked about you're a walk the halls kind of leader, you know, you're high touch, you're with your people, you're with your partners, uh, you're with the front line. So this has obviously been very different the last five months. So how have you adapted? You know, your style is very high touch, very people oriented. You know, what have you learned? What are some of your rituals and practices that others may benefit and learn from? I think I'd probably, they, they benefit from the things I think we're doing well, but I think also the things that I've, you know, frankly have, have struggled personally uh, through some of these. Frequency matters of communication, over communication mattered early on. Often imperfect is better than less frequent and more perfect because as you know, this is so fluid and there are so many imperfections uh, in what we're managing through. And so, uh, the frequency of that has been absolutely critical. Um, sensitivity to and trying to get a feel is challenging for how your folks are managing through this and, and, and recognizing that you have to kind of repeat some themes. So as I worry about burnout with my teams, trying to get them to take time, uh, it sounds easier than it is um, because of other people around them maybe not using the same frequency or necessarily the same empathy. So it creates an intern pressure. Um, it's been tricky. I think we've done better at at the beginning. I think we were we were really fantastic. I, I honestly do give our leadership and our people an A plus for how we responded. Both our folks in the stores, how quickly they reacted, uh, the feedback they provided in terms of all the different operating models that we were deploying, depending on what state we were in and how severe this thing was. Um, my team just literally pivoted on a dime. Every single program we did, as you can imagine, just put down unless it was essential, focused on the immediate needs of pets and pet parents in our stores, um, what the implications of COVID was, everything from can my cat and dog contract and transfer all the way through to are you still open and for what? I'm blown away by the speed in which the consistency, which my my team collaborated with store partners and the store operations team and the merchant teams to, to do what we did early on. But as time goes on and you move into a more uh, ongoing operating pattern, the challenge of what day-to-day -day and further out planning looks like and the things that are impacted by that hallway to, you know, contact you're talking about, they're tricky and they're hard. 
Um, and so we try to, to keep that frequency. Uh, we try to do, you know, some town halls and stand-ups and try to, you know, wherever there's a moment, pull up and do it. But it's hard. And I think um, as we talk about the, the power of what this moment means for virtual work, there's a ton of amazing elements to it. There are, I think, equally a ton of challenges for leaders to make sure that they create quality in how they do this. And I heard a phrase earlier today, we, you know, we used to talk about working from home. <laughs> um, are we actually, you know, are we working from home or are we just literally, you know, working home, period? And, and how do you create that balance? Um, someone said, you know, we used to talk about life-work balance. Now we talk about work-life balance and, and, and it's tricky. You know, you're uh, early on in this pandemic, you know, obviously everything, you know, just ground, 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 ground to a halt. And you, like many companies, you know, took pay cuts at the top of the company, furloughed, reduced hours, so on and so forth. You're a leader of great empathy and compassion. We talked about that last time we interviewed. You know, how have you been able to leverage that superpower, if you will, in these very difficult times for your team, your partners, which you, what you call your employees, your partners, for your customers? So tell, tell me how you've flexed that muscle, that superpower, if you will, during these last five months. Well, you know, your power is only as strong as those around you. And I'm, I am imbued by a leader who leads that way for all of us as a leadership in, our, in terms of our CEO. But as we came together as a leadership, the team to take this on, the tone and the speed in which we aired on really focusing on three things. And the first and foremost, our people. We initially were not declared essential in certain places. It was, as, you know, as people started to understand what did this mean, but, you know, quick turn to help people understand that we are the grocery store for pets. We are the doctor's office for pets. Um, grooming is not just a salon activity like it is for humans. There is actual health and wellness elements to it. And so the first phase was to getting ourselves to a place of, of ensuring our partners were safe establishing that we were an essential business and then quickly, rapidly moving towards how do you operate safely, both to meet the needs of our pets, but then also meet the needs of our, of our partners. And so we focused on three things, our people, parents and what they needed, and then the community around us and ensuring that we were being in tune with both the markets individually in terms of their unique needs as the virus moved differently through the country. Um, and then really showing up and communicating that both to our partners in our stores and then the way we operate. I'll give you a simple example. We, um, we'd been testing some curbside capabilities, but it hadn't, hadn't been really at scale. Uh, we flipped that on within a week, we were national with curbside capabilities. Um, we had been testing uh, ship from store uh, for about, from about 25 stores test over, right? Flipped on and, and moved to scale. And that actually, that was a great example of us discovering what the power of brick and mortar actually could be in this environment. So even in cases where it wasn't about brick and mortar shopping, the role that those stores then played to keep the speed in which customers could get their food, could get their medications in certain circumstances, could get critical supplies, kept us moving at a place where we were able to maintain a two to three day delivery model. Um, that, as you can imagine, played very well during this period, and, and customers have rewarded us for that. Now, how did you, you know, when we were together, you said your omni-channel, um, you know, capability you thought was about a six out of 10. Rapidly, it's shot up. So what could we learn about what you've done to ramp up that capability, as so many others have, some better than others, 
but what what kinds of things did you as a leader, what did your team do to rapidly accelerate your capability? You had some tests in market, which is yeah. helpful. Yeah, I mean, what I would tell you, Jim, is I wouldn't I wouldn't credit this all to the to the circumstances of, of, of dealing with Corona. We thankfully, as a team, had started to put some things in flight. Um, a new partner over on the e-commerce merchant side, who is a tremendous leader with a tremendous vision and a great pedigree background, having worked in a number of direct-to-consumer spaces, including most recently with Walmart and Jet, um, had really started to transform that organization. I put a new leader in from a media perspective uh, who had a real focus on understanding performance media and our capability to then partner with that e-com team. Frankly, that would have taken place virus or no virus. It, it sped the acceleration. And because of what was going on with the channel shifts in a lot of cases where people were moving to online, it allowed us to move very significant dollars to do some things and put some approaches in flight at a much more uh, significant pace and start to scale and read that outcome much better in a way that it has allowed us not only to move those dollars, but get us to a place where the flywheel is working and becoming a much more self-funded approach. So circumstances actually helped accelerate some things we were already doing. Had we not had those things in flight, I think it would have been very tricky to try and do it during this environment. Yeah. We talked a lot about your purpose last time. You're a very purpose-driven leader. Your company has an incredible purpose. Uh, and and I, and you spoke so passionately about that last time. Tell me about your state of purpose now. Has this helped amplify it? Has it taken a different form? Uh, are you delivering it in different ways? Are you activating in different ways? Do you feel stronger about your purpose now than you did five months ago? I mean, tell me a little bit about the state of brand purpose at Petco. I, you know, I think for us, it just codified just how right a path we were on as an organization really pivoting ourselves to think about if it's right for the pet, then it's right for the business. Well, you know, if it's right during an environment, during a pandemic, right? It's no different than we taught, you and I talked about the analog to, to young animals and young children, right? There's the same dynamic for that pet parent and the emotional need to ensure they can care for their family member. I think for us, it just kept us steadfast. It also helped us innovate. We've done some pretty fantastic things during this phase. Um, if you think about bringing a new pet, which many people continue to do and, and increasingly continue to bring into their home, we've seen about a 4% increase in, in pet ownership during this period. Well, that puppy still needs to be trained and, and we couldn't do training classes. That was one part of our business. We did have to you know, shut down uh, to be not taking place in stores. So we took it online. We now have an online training business. Um, it's very sort of the, the Peloton of, of training, if you will. Pick, pick your time zone pick your time, pick your trainer and show up. And actually uh, young Milo, who's now 10 months old, he did his first uh, video lessons last week. Um, so I'm, I'm not only, uh, what they say, Cy Sperling used to say, I'm not only uh, <laughs> leading the business, I'm a, I'm a member. Um, so we've, we've innovated in some really fantastic ways. I think also um, we had to move to help customers understand during this phase um, and answer questions. Um, content, the role, uh, role of our content to make sure that customers understood what the implications of, of all of this were for them and their pet and their safety did become part of, of our ethos. And then lastly, I would say um, it caused us to really pivot on certain critical elements. Like, for example, uh, I run call centers through our organization. Like many, 
you can imagine the influx of calls that started to come in during this period and the kind of things that we had to do to accelerate ourselves quickly to try and solve for the needs there. Again, those were being led much more by purpose elements than they were by business elements. And, and I think we just pivoted very quickly to a mindset of this was our mission prior. It's even more critical now. We're going to continue to be purpose-led. And I think those companies that don't have that purpose are we're either scrambling quickly to find it or I wouldn't have wanted to be trying to find it during this period. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Tarek, you just referenced that uh, pet ownership is up 4%. I've, I've read that pet adoptions are kind of soaring. So I'd like you to tell us just what, what's this telling us about human nature? What's going on? Everyone's in very uncertain times. You know, the pandemic, e- economic crisis, social crisis, which we'll talk about in a moment. So what can you tell us about people, the consumer, your category? What's, what's been happening? You know, the, the question of the shelters initially was a, a very concerning one. We thought we may be dealing with a crisis in which, if you can imagine any of the shelters faced significant illness within their operations, their ability to keep functioning. So we initially thought we were going to have to get out there and be talking to folks, but, you know, Americans kind of stepped up and cleared the shelters, to be honest. Um, what's been interesting, Jim, and it, it's to be seen, the adoption numbers themselves have actually not increased significantly. Fostering increased significantly. Adoption has been kind of holding the line in a relatively similar number. The big question will be, as we move through this phase, whether those fostering occasions will turn into adoption or if, in fact, we may have an issue on the end when people have to return to work and then potentially find themselves in a position where the ability to foster if they're no longer working from home is, is not you know something that's sustainable for them. Um, so there's still some question marks. Having said that, I think what you saw here was the innate human reaction to the power of pets in their, in their lives and the impact of, of both loneliness during this pandemic, which is something I think will be talked about at length. Um, it hasn't been discussed quite as much just yet, but I think it'll be part of the theme that will get discussed in terms of the number of people who have either had to you know, stand in place alone. Uh, unfortunately, the number of people who have had to try and navigate this illness and, and those who've lost their lives to this illness alone. And so I think, you know, we're seeing some pretty primal innate human nature surface in terms of how do you try to find resolution to that, either through, you know, standing in place when, and conforming and you know, bringing families together to do that or the role that animals and people's lives play to do that. And the incredible space that these animals can can play in our lives and filling that emotional gap. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier in the podcast, your spouse got ill early. You know, how did you as a family deal with that? I, I have not had anyone in my family ill with COVID. I've had friends and so on, but no one directly in our family. How did, uh, how did you as a family deal with that? And did Milo help, I guess? Well, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, navigating initially because it was so early on and in New York, uh, a little bit daunting. There was a bit of ignorance as bliss because the reality was in, in, in Carla's particular case, it wasn't severe enough that, you know, doc, her doctor was saying, you know, 
you need to get in. Uh, he was monitoring daily, uh, you know, televet, uh, telemed uh, meetings with the doctor and sort of giving benchmarks of what to keep an eye for. And if it didn't surpass those things, just to lock down. So, uh, you know, I said, she, you know, she locked down. We talked on FaceTime a lot and my, uh, my daughter learned how to use Seamless to order food and, yeah. you know, waited for Instacart groceries to show up and thankfully old enough to help and support. And, um, ironically, um, Milo, you know, as they do these, you know, the animals do and dogs in particular have that keen scent, never, you know, went to the bottom of the bed and, and never left. And it's pretty funny because, um, mom is not his, uh, his number one fan. <laughs> he, he tends to be the, he, she tends to be the victim of the, the shoot shoe occasionally. And yet, uh, they're pretty inseparable and I'm pretty convinced it's because of that period together. Yeah. So listen, uh, I went, we talked last time, you're a grandson of immigrants. You're a strong diversity and inclusion proponent. You always have been. Uh, you, you work to build that kind of culture wherever you have taken your career. Uh, you know, this past few months of social unrest, Black Lives Matter. What has this done, Tarek, for you and your team to intensify your passion and your leadership in this area? It's been a um, long, uh, confusing in certain cases, frustrating. And uh, if I'm honest, it's sort of that that moment for me in my life when I, you know, the the anger and annoyance and you know, frustration of like, when is enough going to finally hit on a personal note? It's also been a personal note of discovery for myself. And, and, I'll, and I'll come back to that. Um, for our organization, it's been a moment of like everything else in the last couple of years uh, since I've joined discovering what the power of our purpose is the power of that purpose played into this moment as well. Our core focus as a company is to improve the lives of pets, their parents, and our partners. And so this was a moment where the improvement of life had to be about also our partners and really focusing in on the diverse community that we had. Um, the recognition that as a company, we've been pretty nascent from, from previous leadership uh, regimes. Um, and had started down a pathway to put pretty significant DNI capabilities in place as an organization, put programming in place, really get on. We, so we were, again, in process, in flight. But when a moment hits like this, you don't, you don't get to say we're working on it. And so it proved to be a moment as an organization where we really found our voice. Where, and, and again, starting at the top uh, with Ron finding his own personal experience in this. Um, and as he had put it, somebody who grew up down the Lower East Side of Manhattan, thought he had a, a pretty good handle of things having grown up in a pretty diverse neighborhood um, and recognizing there was so much to this narrative that still had to be discovered. Personally, it was a moment of not only understanding as the, you know, this, you know, the one person of color on our leadership team, those issues, but it was also a moment of discovering my diversity background is pretty invisible to a lot of people. Um, I don't show up in the traditional census number. So this was a moment where playing that role and connecting with parts of our community, but then recognizing that other parts of more senior leadership organizations didn't even necessarily understand my own narrative. And so it's been a, a reawakening for me 
to be uh, more loud, <laughs> bluntly, to be more unabashed about it, and to recognize in my own self that there may have been moments throughout the years where maybe I was kind of okay with that, you know, playing playing between the lines. And, and so there's been a reawakening for me that um, that's not something I can do going forward. I have a responsibility to those who are following me uh, to continue to make a point of that and be overt about that and take a stand on these issues on their behalf. Um, and so it's been, as I say, a, a summer of reflection, a, a summer of anguish, but also coming out the other side of it, um, I, I'm pivoting much more to a summer of enlightenment and where, I, where we can go with these things, both individually and as cultures. That's a beautifully said, Tarek. Could, could you share maybe, you know, as you've been thinking about this in your own life, your own narrative, what's going on around you, uh, your black employees, your employees from other minority groups, you know, what are you spending your time differently? Are you reading different things? Are you focused in slightly different areas? Tell us a little bit about that, this change in your life over the last several months. Well, again, I think that things that we as an organization to start down pathway, right? So we had, there were a number of employee engagement groups that were not resource groups that had not fully been established. We had uh, just prior months had actually established our, our black partner network uh, within Petco. Um, I had already been relatively connected to a number of our communities. I'm, I'm one of the executive sponsors of our diversity and inclusion uh, council. I'm a sponsor of our, our pride council group. Um, and had already been when I was, you know, sort of out in the field and certainly with summits with partners engaging uh, with our black partners to understand the things that are important to them, the things that they need. Um, we pivoted very quickly during this period, not only internally, but we made our, our point known externally. And that was done not because we felt like we had a place to play in the external consumer space, but actually because we felt the need and the responsibility to make our point of view known to our internal partners. That was the motivation in which that drove it. Um, we did do specific programming. We had already had a diversity and inclusion summit planned uh, going into the summer before the actual virus. We maintained it, we did it virtually. Um, that was company-wide. It was followed later in the day to some specific uh, black partner uh, network programming. Again, opened up to those who wanted to attend uh, in which, you know, speakers and allowing partners to tell, frankly, a lot of times allowing partners to tell their own stories, both within town halls to our organization, but giving our black partners a platform to help our organization and our community understand what they were going through. Um, and so we've, like everything in our organization, we've allowed the realities of what's going on in our community because these people are, they are in our stores and we need to be part of this conversation. Um, and then thinking about how, how to keep them safe and how to allow them to respond as, as certain markets were dealing with some of the unrest and, and frustrations that were spilling out and having to be present um, and then being present and getting out to stores. And, and I did. I got out to a number of the stores in, on the East Coast area. Our CEO and head of store ops has, has not stopped going into stores. And then you start to see responses from communities. And this is maybe something I can send you after. Um, we had a number of local artists in a couple of markets where we'd had some stores that had been damaged, some, uh, you know, boards that had gone up and I'll send you the, the murals 
that were then painted by artists who decided to come into a number of our locations and paint uh, wildlife statements mm. about how diversity and how much the how much better the world is with this interrelationship between humans and animals. And then I can actually send you a couple of them. I'd love to see that. Some, some literally block long murals that some street artists had, had done uh, both up in the Minneapolis area and the Chicagoland area. I can, I can send those to you after. Thank you, Tarek. Hey, listen, this has been a great update and chat and reconnection. I'd like you to share just as we end, as we wind up here, you know, how will you and Petco, if you could sum it up, be different coming out of this experience? If there's one thing about your company, one thing about you as a leader, as a person that is uh, most changed, what would that be? I don't know if I'd say it's changed. I think it's a, a reaffirmation in belief. And that is the, the power of the collective purpose. Um, it's, pr- it's pretty simple, that, but until you actually put it to test, it's amazing how it takes us as humans, you know, the, the ability to go through that to say, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that's what actually connects us. And that's exactly what's taken place here. Our, our purpose has allowed us to connect as a collective community. It's allowed us to connect as a collective supporter of the external community, our consumer community. Um, and I think what's been amazing is it's not only allowed us to do it to navigate what it means in terms of how to operate a business, but what it means in terms of how to operate a culture and how to participate within a community. Um, and it's all been down to understanding what the role of our purpose is and making decisions, even as late as the decisions around, we went national a little prior to a number of other retailers decided to go national on the mask decision. And, and that was, that was tough in a lot of ways. It shouldn't, shouldn't be, but it was. And, and, and the big challenge there was not about whether it was the right thing to do, but what it might do to put our partners in harm's way. And at the end of the day, that decision was, but we were going to put our partners in a more significant harm's way if we weren't taking that stand. So time and time again through this period, understanding our purpose and allowing that to, to maintain our true north has not failed us. Tarek, last, last question. What are you most looking forward to doing when we come out of this health crisis? What's, is it baseball? Is it visiting so- stores more? So, you know, you know, Jim, this will be, this is weak as a, as a marketer because I won't stick to one the list. <laughs> there is a quick list. I do look forward to actually, you know, seeing my parents who are in Canada and, and the borders closed. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing them off of Zoom. <clears throat> I am looking for a great, looking forward to a great meal out with some great friends. And I am a road warrior. I am, I am looking really forward to, to just traveling. Uh, where I want to, when I want to, and seeing a world that I think will um, exhale in a very different way at the end of all of this. And I want to get back out and celebrate with them. The biggest loss of this of this year for us was uh, we were going to do a, a trip to Africa this summer that was part mission around uh, going to build some schools and then uh, and then part safari. And uh, I'm, I'm yearning to get that one back on the books because that's one of those trips that, uh, you know, with a 13-year-old, you know, you hold for years. And so I'm looking forward to getting that one back on the books and just, you know, getting back out to celebrate a bit with the world again. That sounds good. And I hope it comes quickly. We'll get there together. Yeah. We'll get there. Tarek, thank you for this. 
very inspiring and so, so good to reconnect. Good luck to you and your team helping pets and people in your communities as you go forward. Thanks again for all you're doing. Always a pleasure catching up, Jim. Thanks for the time. That was my interview with Tara Kasson. I think he is one of the finest examples of leadership during this pandemic that I have met and I have spoken to. The way he talked about his people first, the importance of pets to families, his consumers, the importance of the community in these times of social unrest. And what he missed most was visiting his parents in Canada, having a great restaurant meal, and being the road warrior he is. He loves to be out and about with people, in stores, with his partners, and with his friends. That's it for this episode of our Leadership During Crisis series. We hope you enjoyed this follow-up episode and found value and insight into how these leaders and brands are operating during this pandemic. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, I would be so grateful if you shared it with your friends and if you gave the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe to the show and get notified every time we publish a new episode. The CMO Podcast is a gallery media group original production.